Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal Worship Service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. The call to confession this morning is from Proverbs 25, verse 15. By long forbearance a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. Patience and forbearance are effective means to gain a favorable hearing, and gentle words break harsh treatment. And the opposites are also true. Impatience and rashness will cause a judge to dig his heels in, and harsh words justify hard tactics. What does this look like on the ground? The wisdom here is for those who are under authority, those who are under someone who is over them. So little children, if you want to be heard by your parents, take this to heart. Instead of interrupting or yelling, be patient and calmly explain your story. This will be far more effective in communicating what happened than impatiently insisting on your version of events. But even more than that, your parents will be more sympathetic to your version over another, more irritable version. Parents, teach this to your children. Older children, likewise, if you want greater responsibilities or privileges, if you want to drive the car, or if you want to go on a trip, or if you want to get some gadget, whatever it is, the normal process is for you to persuade the ruler, in other words, convince your parents that you can be trusted with that privilege. Nothing will convince them of the opposite better than belligerence, impatience, and anger. Instead, practice wisdom, patience, diligence, and consistent, rational dialogue. Convince them that you know both the advantages and the disadvantages, the blessings and the dangers, and that you have the ability to navigate these with skill. All of you, this principle works universally for those under authority. In the work field, in the civic realm, in the court system, and in society, this principle works in general. But it is not a denial of the presence of evil in our world or the existence of true injustice. Sometimes innocent people suffer. Sometimes wickedness rules. However, this principle is how the gospel overcomes. What that means is that patience and love defeat evil. Patience and love bear witness to God and to his work in the world. Given time, these will persuade the ruler. Such was the case with Rome. After 300 years of patient, gentle witness, despite persecutions, Rome was Christianized. God gives us an injunction here and the ability to be wise even in the face of evil. Because Jesus is king and God rules, 
We can trust that he will take up our cause. Because vengeance is his, it need not be ours. Which brings us to repentance. We are fallen men and women, and we have the temptation to give as good as we get. We like to get worked up, and our hearts yearn to express vehemently our opinions. This is especially the case when we feel wronged. But we must be careful how we react and subject our emotions to God's will and His means. He prescribes lawful authorities, and it is in our best interest and in the interest of the gospel to submit to them in humble patience and prayer. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So if you're willing and able, please kneel. with a really quick recap. Uh, last week I outlined the pattern of the, the, the five-fold covenantal pattern that we, that we get from the scriptures, from the Pentateuch, the five books, the, the covenantal charter of Israel. And uh, the, also the Ten Commandments broken down into two tables of five. And uh, even the book of the Leviticus is broken down into five sections which, which match that covenantal five-fold pattern. So the book of Leviticus emphasizes the third movement of that covenantal pattern. Um, so we have Genesis is the beginning, uh, Exodus is about mediation, Leviticus is about being holy, it's about consecration. Uh, bearing God's name and being holy is the main emphasis of Leviticus. But within the book of Leviticus, we have the five elements of the covenant. The first section of the book, chapters 1 through 7, had to do with the sacrifices that God commanded. God intervenes. Uh, and we covered those as we went through our worship series. The second section of Leviticus had to do with the mediation of the covenant, chapters 8 through 16. This covered the sanctification of the priests and how to define what clean and unclean are, and how to atone for violations of becoming unclean. So the Day of Atonement is included in that section. Uh, the third section, which we covered last week, was all about holiness, about bearing God's name, that we do not do that in vain. And that means we must live holy. It's about holy living and ceremonially being holy. And, 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 clean, and clean, ceremonially being pure and separated and set apart. So, so holy, holy living, both ceremonially and in the world. So that means in faith and practice, we must be holy. So today we're going to cover chapter 23 of Leviticus, which is the fourth section of the book, and it has to do with Sabbaths. Uh, if you'll um, if you'll remember about the five-fold pattern uh, in our worship service, that, that's communion. In the, the Ten Commandments, it's the, the commandment to observe Sabbath and the commandment to bear witness, uh, not to bear false witness, because Sabbath is about uh, judging and judgment. Um, if you remember, Israel was judged for not keeping the Sabbaths, and they were exiled from the land until the land had her, her Sabbaths. And then they were allowed to come back in. So today we're going to be talking about Sabbath. And as we're going to see, this has a lot more to do than, a lot more is involved than just 
not working. When we think Sabbath, we tend to think of the fourth commandment, which means rest on the seventh day. That's, we simplify it down to that. But the Sabbath is much richer, much fuller, and much more involved than that. The Sabbath is about rest, but it's also about festivity. It's also about divine intervention. It's about faith, practicing our faith. It's about bearing witness to the world that God is and that He rules. It's about remembering what God has done for us. It's about generosity. It's about repentance for, for sin. It's about judging and about anticipation. And ultimately, the Sabbath is about Jesus. So our text today, as I mentioned, is Leviticus chapter 23. And this passage uh, decrees seven kinds of Sabbaths. It outlines the, 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 the feasts of the Jewish calendar year. So we, the, the, the chapter 20, uh, 23 gives us a sevenfold Sabbath, de definitions of what those Sabbaths are. The first of these is the weekly Sabbath, and it amounts to a reiteration of the fourth commandment without all the details. So the fourth commandment is, uh, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Uh, on it you shall not you know, do any work, you, your neighbor, etc., etc., in Leviticus 23, that's abbreviated. We read verses 1 through 3. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. You shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. That's all. It doesn't go into all the details about it. And what the first Sabbath emphasizes is weekly rest. Weekly, every week, God designed us so that every week we stop. We stop and rest from our, 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 our weekly pursuits, our, our, our daily labors, and we, we, we stop to remember God. The second Sabbath listed is the Passover. And the Passover was an annual Sabbath, and it happened on the 14th day of the first month. And the feast following the Passover lasted for seven days. It's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was mentioned in our Bible reading this morning. So both the first day of the feast and the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread are holy convocations. They are days not to work on. So on the first day and the seventh day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they were not permitted, the Israelites were not permitted to work. And the first day was the Passover. And that we find in verses 4 through 8. And this Sabbath emphasizes remembering God's redemption of Israel. It emphasizes remembering that God had taken them out of the land of Egypt and he passed over the Israelites so that they were not destroyed with the death of the firstborn that the Egyptians suffered. So it's about remembering God's redemption of his people and their leaving of Israel, which included the Red Sea passage um, and the haste which they left 
with which they left because, and that's remembered by re refraining from the use of leaven. They, they removed all leaven from their households so that uh, they, re they were reminded of the haste with which they left Egypt, about how, good, good, how much good news it was that they were leaving. They, and they were in a hurry. They had to get out of there. It was a bad place to be. The, the third Sabbath is the Feast of First Fruits. And it's the, harvest, the first uh, harvest from the field in the spring harvest time. So they would, they would harvest the barley crop in the spring, and they would take the first sheaves of barley and bring it in, and it would be offered to the Lord as a wave offering on the day after the Sabbath within the week of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So the first day of the week of, of, of Unleavened Bread is the 14th day of the month. Right, And then we know there's seven days included within that Feast of Unleavened Bread. Somewhere within that, there's a, there's a Sabbath, a, a, sixth, a, a seventh day of the week. And it's the, the first day of the week that follows that Sabbath on which they would offer this Feast of Firstfruits. They would bring in their first uh, barley offering and wave it. And uh, that Firstfruits would be, would be then a consecration of... And a commemoration of everything that God had, had was giving to them in the land. The land was made, was sanctified that way. So this Sabbath emphasized consecration. It was gratitude at the beginning of a New Year's bounty. And, and, and everything about this Sabbath was pointing to the fact that the people and their stuff were consecrated to God on the first fruits. Uh, we must remember where blessings come from before we can rightly participate in them. That's a principle we can draw from this, is that um, uh, God gives us blessings, but before we can rightly participate in using them, we, we need to, to offer them to Him in, in theory. In, th in theory, it's all His, and we need to recognize that, and that's what this Sabbath was all about. Uh, the fourth Sabbath is the Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Pentecost, and it took place seven full weeks after the Feast of First Fruits. So they would count seven weeks, and that's how it got its name, the Feast of Weeks. They count seven weeks, and then, uh, and then they'd add a day. <laughs> so they'd, have the they'd start on the Sabbath of, of, of the First Fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, and then, then they'd add a day. It all, the, the Feast of uh, Pentecost always landed on the first day of the week. It was seven Sabbaths plus one day. And it, so it always happened on the first first day of the week, and the offering that was prescribed for Pentecost was two loaves of leavened bread, seven yearling lambs, so first the leavened bread, then, then the ascension offerings, which were seven yearling lambs, two bulls, and, uh, sorry, one bull and two rams, and those were all the ascension offerings. And then one goat was offered for a sin offering, and then two male lambs were offered for a peace offering. Now attached to this commandment to, offer, to, to observe that Sabbath, the Sabbath of, of weeks, or Pentecost, um, 50, Penta, Pentecost comes from the Greek for 50, that's where the name for that come, comes from. But attached to the, this commandment regarding the Pentecost Sabbath was a command that we need to be generous to the poor and the stranger. Verse 22 of chapter 23. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap. 
nor shall you gather any gleaning from your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the stranger. I am the Lord, your God. And so here we have that, that should be familiar refrain now about I am the Lord. That's the basis upon, upon which we must be holy because God is holy. I am the Lord, your God. But, but part of that, because he is holy, we must be like him. And he is generous. So Pentecost was a harvest feast. It happened at, at the end of the spring harvest. And so it was a celebration. And, the, and, this, and this Sabbath, the, the Sabbath of Pentecost, emphasized that celebration and feasting, uh, it, it, which is evident in the, the, the leavened bread and all the, the peace offerings. It, was, it, it emphasized generosity, the kindness to the poor and to the stranger. And um, it was... Uh, and it also emphasized tithing. It was, it was bringing of, in of the tithe from the first harvest. The fifth Sabbath is the Feast of Trumpets, verses 23 through 25. And this took place on the first day of the seventh month in the year. So we're skipping from springtime now to, to the beginning of the fall harvest. And um, in the first day of the seventh month of the year, uh, they would have the Feast of Trumpets, and it's called a Memorial of Blowing Trumpets. And there's not much explanation of this in our text. Says, this is a Memorial of Blowing Trumpets. Celebrate this Sabbath. But we know from Scripture that trumpets are associated with God's people, but in particularly assembling God's people in their ranks or in their orders. And they were, they were associated with the making of war. And so we read about uh, the trumpets in Numbers 10, verses 1 and 2, and verses 9 and 10. So I'm going to, well, actually, that whole section, but I'm just going to read those four verses because you'll get the gist of it there. Numbers 10, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself. You shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. And then skipping down to verse 9. When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. Also in the day of your gladness, in your appointed feasts, and at the beginning of your months, you shall blow the trumpets over your burnt offerings and over the sacrifices of your peace offerings, and they shall be a memorial for you before your God. I am the Lord your God. So the trumpets were they were for memorial, and they were a memorial of the people to God, so that God remembers to defend them, to protect them, and then they go out and take dominion. That's so. This feast of trumpets is is about this this Sabbath in particular is about the, them being uh, regimented and taking dominion over the world that God has given them. Given them. So ten days after this feast was the Day of Atonement. And we read, uh, studied that a bit when we were covering chapter 16, which is all about the Day of Atonement. Um, uh, and so this is the sixth Sabbath listed in this chapter. It was a Sabbath of penitence. Uh, it, the text reads, You shall afflict your souls. And anybody who doesn't afflict your souls, I will cut them off from the people. They will be destroyed in their house. So the Day of Atonement is, is, a, is a Sabbath of penitence. And the, the emphasis here is heavy and solemn. They were all to acknowledge the weight and depth 
of sin and the fire and sacrifice that was necessary to atone for it. So on the Day of Atonement, this Sabbath, Sabbath emphasizes that this penitential nature of, of, of the peace that, that is, we, we must be repentant before we can have peace with God. But there's also um, a solemn joy. A solemn joy in the sense that atonement was accomplished. Man could enter the Holy of Holies. Well, the, the, the high priest could enter the Holy of Holies and atone for the nation and commune with God at his mercy seat. So there was this, this heavy, weighty, solemn joy that there was peace now between man and God. There was a reconciliation that, that takes place. And the seventh and final Sabbath in the Jewish calendar year was the Feast of Tabernacles, verses 33 through 34. And this was a joyous seven-day feast named after the booths in which they dwelt. So it's called either the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tab Tabernacles. And so it was at the end of the harvest. It was a, a celebration. They would set up these booths and tents around Jerusalem. They would adorn the walls with uh, branches and leaves and fruit. And then they would remember that they lived in the wilderness for 40 years. So this Sabbath emphasizes a number of things. First of all, it emphasizes remembrance. Look, remember, God delivered us. We, we dwelt in the desert for 40 years in tents. And that's why we're, this is, it's a, it's a teaching device so we can teach our children about where we've come from, who we are, what kind of people are we. So it's about remembrance. It's also about adornment. It's about putting the, the, the leafy branches, the palm branches, uh, the willow branches, the, the fruits, the grains on the walls to, for, for, for beauty, for, for richness. It was a, it was a, a Sabbath of, of celebration, a celebration of the harvest. It was a, it was a, a gratitude Sabbath, a Sabbath of thanksgiving, and, and again, tithe-bringing, and, 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 and a, a Sabbath of rich blessing and fellowship, and generosity again. They would invite people to, to eat with them in this, in this feast. And finally, the Sabbath emphasized pilgrimage, which this is, this is important for us to remember. It's something that we, we, we need to be reminded of. On the Sabbath, we are reminded that we are passing through. This is not our final destination. Just like on the first, day, the first Sabbath, of the weekly Sabbath, we stop and we say, look, there's a, a final destination here, and we have not arrived there yet. These bodies, this life is a tent in which we are, we are living in. And so this Sabbath brought that to the fore, and that they were living in tents, and, and that they were, they, they, were in, they were heading for the promised land in an ultimate sense, as well as they had been brought to the promised land. It was a remembrance of what God had done in the past also. So this brings me to covenantal sequences. And I already referenced the five-fold sequence in the introduction. Uh, and I spent a, a good time of, uh, talking, a good amount of time talking about that last week in, uh, in, the, in the introduction. Um, uh, but this section of Leviticus fits the fourth of those five sections. So it's communion in our worship service. It's Sabbath and bearing witness it, according to the Ten Commandments. It's 
the application of the holiness of God to his holy people. So in, in this in this in the fivefold pattern, this this being the fourth of those five, this is us resting in God. Once we've made whole, been made holy, we need to bear witness of that holiness by resting in Him. It's, it's the living out of His covenant promises. It's being separate, being separated, being, being different. It's the witness of how being God's people makes us different from the world. And so in this way, all of those emphases of the different Sabbaths are fulfilled. They're, they're, they're all covered above. Observing Sabbaths in the first place sets us apart. It's, it's, we, we come to church on Sunday because we've been made holy. That's why we do it. Uh, experiencing His redemption as, uh, as in the Passover. Uh, that's why we come to church, is to confess our sins and to be redeemed. Uh, it's being set apart and consecrating our lives and our livelihood to Him. That's the consecration portion of our service. It's the tithing and generosity that's evident in the uh, Pentecost uh, uh, Sabbath. It's taking dominion. It's being built up into God's people, being regimented and prepared to go out into the world and live this, to be his people on the ground in the world. It's atonement. It's, it's, it's true and heavy and, and weighty sacrifice and true and full communion with our God. And it's joyful remembrance of God's deliverance. It's gratitude for his provision and adornment and anticipation for the future. So there's that five-fold sequence. There's also the three-fold sequence that we covered in the worship series of the, 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 the three primary sacrifices in the worship service. Uh, um, the, the sin offering, the ascension offering, and the peace offering. And this brings us to another covenantal pattern, and it's a seven-fold pattern. Say, I'm going crazy with the numbers here today. <laughs> But there is, there's, there's these number, numerical patterns in the scripture, and it's rich, it's rich, and it's full of good things for us to gain from it. So there's this sevenfold pattern, and it starts, and it's, it's evident in the days of creation. The, the days of creation. Um, in the weeks that God created, that, that, that's seven days, and one day in seven, we rest. One Sabbath out of every seven, we, one day in seven, we, we observe a Sabbath. It's evident in the annual Sabbaths, the seven different kinds of Sabbaths that are prescribed for each year. It's, it's evident in Sabbath years, which we're not covering yet because that's covered in next, next week's text. But every seven years, the whole year was a Sabbath year. The land was, was supposed to rest. And every seven sevens of Sabbath years, there was a jubilee year. So seven sevens plus one. That's that 50th year. And that's where everything is. Uh, you remember that kids game, Ali Ali Yatsen Free? It's like uh, everything is reset. That's, that's jubilee. Uh, that's jubilee. That's when uh, everything is reset. God says, you are my chosen people. The, the slaves go free. You, the, the people receive their land back. It's, it's a glorious celebration. And it's this sevenfold pattern that we see. And this particular pattern, this sevenfold pattern, is about creation and about recreation. So the, the creation aspect is obvious in the days of creation. 
Um, and th but this is why this recreation aspect is why we see that the temple and the and the tabernacle were decorated like the Garden of Eden. They have pomegranates and trees. They have they have animals. They have cherubim. Um, this is why the booths were decorated like the Garden of Eden. It's because of this recreation aspect that God is remaking and renewing mankind in worship. In worship and faithful Sabbath observance, God is remaking mankind into His image. And this means peace, life, and health. Both with God and with each other. This, this is the way it happens. It's through this Sabbath observance and this faithful obedience. And it takes a new creation for this to occur, which is why we see so much new creation language in the New Testament. It, it's all about Jesus is re, a new, new Adam, a new man. Now the typology for this breaks down along uh, these lines, and there's there's a lot of, of typology here. But so the weekly Sabbath is like the first day, where it's God initiates uh, light and dark every day, as every week reminds us of God's intervention in the world. The Passover it, it aligns up with the second day, the separation of of the waters. So there's redemption and creation of a people. So it's, it's like when the people were baptized as they passed between the waters of the Red Sea. And that creation of a people is commemorated at Passover, but that's also the second day where God separates the waters from above from the waters below, and there's a firmament placed in between. The first fruits lines up with day three, separation of land and sea. So and the and the and the and the, the, the plants are, grow on the on the third the third day. So there we see consecration. In the Bible, the land is representative of God's people, while the sea is representative of the Gentiles. Um, and the plants are are correlative correlative to the, the the first fruits. The plants wave at Pentecost no, at uh, at the day of first fruits. The feast of Pentecost lines up with uh, day four, the, the sun, moon, and stars. It's consecration, tithing, giving of the law, the Holy Spirit, and generosity. And there's a lot of connections to be made there, but we just we don't have a, enough time to get into all those today. Um, but similarly, trumpets and day five, the sea creatures and the birds, it's about taking dominion. Um, it's about... Uh, God's lordship extending beyond his people to, to the spreading of, over the Gentiles. The, the Gentiles are brought in, but that's a, an act of dominion. Atonement lines up with day six, where God created the man and animals. Um, so God created man and man sinned, and thus the need for the sacrifice, that heavy, weighty atonement, uh, that communion might be possible with God. And uh, finally, booze lines up with Sabbath. Day seven, and there we see all that rich fulfillment, the, the adornment, the remembrance, the rejoicing, and the anticipation, along with the rest that comes with being in Christ. So this brings us to a consideration of Christian Sabbaths, Christian annual Sabbaths, and in particular Palm Sunday and Passion Week. All these prescriptions for Sabbath observance in Leviticus and really all of the types of the Old Testament are types. 
And because they are types, we are justified in looking into their typology. What are they pointing to? Um, this is the way that God works in our world. All of these types have a focal point. They are all pointing forward, and their fulfillment is in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. They're all pointing forward to Jesus. Every sacrifice is pointing forward to Christ. All of these Sabbaths were, were pointing forward to the life of Christ. Um, keeping Sabbath means remembering what God has done in and through Jesus Christ. Because true Sabbath is resting in Jesus. True Sabbath is Jesus Christ. That's, that's the fulfillment of all of this. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And if, you look in, if you're looking at your outlines, I skipped ahead to the third point, and we're going to go back to the first two. Because Jesus Christ is Sabbath, this means that Christian Sabbath keeping is about bearing witness to Jesus Christ. Christian Sabbath keeping is about bearing witness of God's work in the world, and that witness is both obedience and declaration. We are, we are proclaiming God's, God's work in the world when we observe Sabbath. Uh, the emphasis of the book of Leviticus is being holy, and this means faithful Sabbath keeping. The Christian calendar commemorates the life of Jesus the way that the Old Testament commemorated the, the covenant that God had made with his people. So they're, they're, they were remembering God's covenant with his holy people. We are remembering God's covenant with us in Jesus Christ. Advent, Christmas, Epiphany, Lent, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost, Pentecost all point to God's work of salvation in our world. And when we observe them, we're declaring to the world that God has done this. And it is life for us. And because Christ's work is finished, there's lots of overlap. There's overlap. And so we talked about the different emphases. There was overlap in the Old Testament. There's overlap in the New Testament. But we still see that emphases correspond to the different celebrations of the Christian calendar. Palm Sunday is like a Christian feast of trumpets. Jesus is declared king. He's taking dominion. Uh, the conquering king rides into Jerusalem. Good Friday is like both Passover and the Day of Atonement. It's, it's that, that substitutionary lamb whose blood is, is spilled for us. And the Day of Atonement, that, that weighty uh, consecration that happens. That, that, so on Good Friday, we remember, Passion Week, we remember the suffering that Jesus bore so that you and I might have peace with God. And Easter is, in one way, everything all rolled into one. And otherwise, it's really uh, the Feast of, of uh, first fruits, where Jesus is... The first fruits of the, the, the of life from the dead, the resurrection, and, and Paul calls him the first fruits in the resurrection. But Easter is, is the glorious domination and victory of Christ over all of his enemies. It's his victory over death, and that's why it's it's all things rolled into one. And it's the high point of our calendar year. And Pentecost is obviously like with Pentecost. Uh, the, it's the consecration of men. 
Jesus was consecrated. He ascended into heaven. And he sends his spirit to us so that we can be consecrated and set apart. God, instead of giving us the law in stone tablets at Sinai, he writes the law on our hearts with his spirit. And it's still, it's also combined with that giving of gifts, that generosity. At Pentecost, the, the spirit went out and the, and the people all communed and they, and, and they had all things in common and they shared with the, the, with the poor and the stranger. And Jesus gives gifts when he gives us his Holy Spirit. So in all of this Christian Sabbath keeping, we bear witness to God and his work. And we remember and commemorate his work, teaching it to our children along the way. That's, that's how we're to use Christian Sabbaths. Now at this point, I need to make one clarification, clarification, and that's in regard to Christian freedom. There is not a one-to-one correspondence between the Old Testament Sabbath command and the Christian observance of a Sabbath. Uh, so if I preach a sermon like this and I tell us, I tell everybody, hey, we need to be observing these Sabbaths, the, the Christian calendar, uh, someone could certainly be tempted to come up with a complaint referencing Romans 14. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. So do we have to keep Sabbath or not? Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives to God thanks. He who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat, and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Now this is a valid concern. It's a valid concern. When I tell, us, when I tell you all, we observe Sabbath for these reasons, it, 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 what about that? What about that? I'm not, we're not advocating law. When, when we say, let's celebrate Sabbaths, let's celebrate the Christian Sabbaths, we're not saying, or else. That's not what this is about. We are using God's law as a guide to how we are to live thankful lives. God, God, uh, God teaches us how to live with the law. And that's something that we can accept with gratitude and thanksgiving. So regardless of your position on the observance of the Christian calendar, which I'm happy to declare as optional for observance, as far as the, the declared Christian calendar, uh, Advent, Christmas, Easter, Lent, all that stuff, it's optional to, to observe. Um, but regardless of your, of your position on that, the reality of Sabbath observance remains a moral duty. Just because we don't have to observe Lent or Good Friday, we do have to observe Sabbath. It's one of the Ten Commandments. It's, it, it's a moral duty. God created us to observe one day in seven. He made us to follow through the rhythms of days and months and seasons and years. He gave us the revelation of his covenant in eras and epochs and through various dispensations of covenant. And he commands us over and over and over again to remember, to observe his Sabbaths. So whether you observe the formal Sabbath of the Christian calendar is a moot point. 
the reality of observing what Sabbath means, Sabbath reality, is obvious. You must observe it. The specifics are a wisdom issue, but the practice is mandatory. So in everything, all of us must give God His due glory, His due thanks. And so if that means you have seen every day equally, fine. But they better be giving God all the glory. In, in everything, give, give thanks to the Lord. Live your life in the light of the gospel. Live your life in the light of Christ. You bear his name, you must bear witness of him. So that means you must do all these things that the different Sabbaths emphasize in your daily Christian walk. You must be generous. You must practice forgiveness. You must live in unity and at peace with God and with your neighbor. You must be pilgrims and recognize that your citizenship is in heaven and not here. You must not be content with the status quo, but yearning for the other life that we have yet to live because we are citizens of another city. Sabbath means be that other. Bear witness. And that will then bring with it joy, gratitude, celebration, rest, and peace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Sabbath is about witness, and this table is a table of witness. Here we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. Here we confess our need of him. Here we yearn for and exult in his forgiveness and our atonement. Here we are judged, and here we are sent out and emboldened to judge, to take dominion and to establish Jesus' kingdom to the end of the earth. That strength is only available to a heavenly people through a heavenly meal, the bread of life offered to us, the blood of Christ shed for us. So take, eat, drink, remember and believe in the good and gracious God who gives to you his gospel of eternal life and forgiveness of sins. Christ's body, broken for us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.